morning. We all, you can be seated. This is the time you've all been waiting for. I suppose you all got your gardens planted by now. You know, I used to plant a garden 100 years ago, but uh, the radishes and the lettuce got ready pretty early. And we're going we're gonna to talk about planting today. <laughs> so um, I was just, I do roofing, and I was um, measuring houses this week, and uh, one guy said he got, he, he's a huge farmer. He got his planting, you know, it's a really hectic season especially for those that work for the farmers, uh, like Phil, <laughs> um, and especially for the farmers. And it can get very hectic, it can get very tough, but uh, it's very rewarding, and that's why we plant is so that we can harvest. Um, Father, we just pray right now in the name of Jesus uh, that you would bring forth your word, and Father, I pray that you would help me to let you do and say what you want to say into people's hearts today. I pray that we would receive exactly what every individual, so many different goings on in each heart. I pray you'd help each one of us, Father God, to receive a special gift, a special moment, a special solidity from you today that'll help us to move forward in our lives, Father God, and to, to organize our lives in such a way that our relationship with you will be so strong. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we're going to talk about church planting, and when Pastor asked me to, to do this, it was a couple of months ago, but when I finally sat down and said, okay, church planting, the first thing that comes to my mind just about no matter what anybody says about anything is, where's that in the Scripture? You know, you know so that's what I thought, okay, I need to find that in the Scripture. There must be in the Scripture. And, and I just thought about it a little bit, and the one verse did come to my mind almost instantly. It's in Isaiah I think what I might do here is just read it because sometimes I can't remember all the words. Um, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. Now, this is Jesus talking, but then he put that spirit on all of us, as Pastor said earlier. And, and it's, to, it's to set people free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. And, of course, that vengeance is against the devil and our enemies. To comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. And so there you see it's... What it's talking about is people giving their lives to Jesus, the Holy Spirit setting them free through the Spirit of Jesus. And then he says, I will, they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting, something solid planted by the Lord. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of, of the Lord. And we're going to use a, a, a word kind of interchangeably a lot today, or maybe three, two, three words, the body of Christ, the church, and planting, or building, I should say, building and planting. Um, you'll see all these interchanged. That you can't see a lot of that word when it comes to just actually planting a church. You, you don't really see that in the New Testament, that word plant, but you'll see the word build, and you'll see the word body and, uh, and coming together. And so we'll look into that. And, you know, we got this word in, in our circles anyway, anyway called the rapture. That word's not in the Bible either, but it's still biblical. It talks about the catching away when we meet him in the air when he comes back to receive us if we're still alive here on earth. And... Uh, 
And it's the same with this. We, we don't see plant a church a lot in the Bible, but it's, it's totally biblical, and we'll see it in the Bible today, even though they don't use that word, even though the Holy Spirit didn't use that word a lot in the New Testament. But he wants to plant churches. He wants to plant bodies of believers, and he wants those believers to be oaks of righteousness. For what? To make him look good, for the display of his splendor. We want to make him look good. We love him. You know, you want to make people look good when you love them. So we want to make Jesus look good, and he wants us to look good. And so it's a mutual beneficial. We all get to look good. Amen. And uh, you're all looking better today than you did yesterday, and you look better tomorrow than you did today. Amen. Praise God. And that's why the body of Christ comes together is so that we can look good. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. That's it's biblical. He likes us. Okay. What? So where is um? I should say, why should we plant a church? We're going to go into the why first. And, it's, and again, right back to the scripture, my mind always, like, why? You know, plant churches, but why? And then if you go to the scripture, we got this problem. I think every one of us here has got this problem that we just believe the Bible. We just really believe what the word says. And the word says, uh, I'm going to look at my notes sometimes because I don't want to miss any part of these verses, but it, it says... Um, in Matthew 7, 13. You can, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The, this is literally what the Bible says. I, I'm not putting the word hell in here or nothing. It's in there. <laughs> the highway to hell is broad, and its gate is wide, and many enter thereat. But the gateway to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only a few ever find it. So one good reason right now why we should plant churches, why should we plant churches? There's so many reasons, but they all kind of gather around two reasons. One is because Jesus wants fellowship with us, and he, he, he rescued us. But two is there are people right now that are not going to heaven. There are people right now that are on this broad path. The Bible says... The God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. The God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they can't see. So what we're seeing here is a, is a bunch of blind people, many blind people. I remember um, in the early 80s, Zell, South Dakota was having their centennial. And I had not been saved very long. And I walked around Zell, South Dakota, and God just kind of gave me a, I don't even see that these days. Every once in a while I get that sense, but nothing like that day in Zell, South Dakota. And I watched people celebrating, and I watched people that were blind, and I just saw them, and it's just, I just knew they weren't going to heaven, so many of them. The great vast majority of them is just like the Bible says, they weren't going to go to heaven. And, and uh, so why should we plant a church? Well, I want to plant churches. We don't. We want to we get out there. You know, they're with these little white canes. They can't see anything. It says they're blinded. They can't see. So we want to plant a church in those wide paths. <laughs> i got to stay in the narrow path. Okay. We want to we plant a church in those wide paths. We want to stick something in the way. The more people can see godly people, the more people can see people that are hooked up with Jesus, the more people can see the body of Christ, the light of God. They can't see the light of the glory of God. And actually, they can't even see it when it's bright. So when I say they, if the more they can see, they can't see. But I think they can hear. 
And so they're tapping around with their little white things, their little white sticks, and they're, they're going around and they're going around. And they think, this is fun. That feels good. That feels good. That's wonderful. That's, why, that's great. And they just keep on moving around in their lives, and they're, they're, they have no purpose, and they can't, they can't find themselves. How many know? So many people are so lost, even in their own minds, they'll admit it to you. What's my purpose? And they're blind. The God is world. But you know what? The Bible says, let me read this. Let me read this. In 2 Corinthians 2, chapter 3, verse 14, their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day when the Old Testament is read, a veil covers their hearts. But when, any, but when anybody turns to the Lord, that veil is taken away. When anybody turns to the Lord, so they're out there blind as can be, but all of a sudden they hear somebody proclaiming the good news. How will they hear without a preacher? And how will, the, how will they hear unless the preacher be sent? And how will they be sent unless there's a church? That's my interpretation of one of the scriptures in Romans 10. But uh, how will they be sent without a church? There has to be an organization, uh, an assembly. Uh, uh, a, the, some translators say it, it literally means legislative assembly, as they used to use in the Roman circles, even before Christianity. But um, when you read it all in context, it means that and so much more, and we'll see that a little bit here. Um, how will they hear without a preacher? Well, if there's a preacher in the middle of that big, wide road, there's a big, wide road in the United States right now, and many are going in there at, I'm telling you, many are not saved. There's many of us people that are going to church. I hope there's not one in here. If there is, that can be rectified today. But there's many and many churches that think they're going to heaven, but they don't have this type of relationship with Jesus, a personal relationship. They talk to him. He talks to them. They say, yes, sir, and, and they say, yes, my friend, and he says, yes, my, you're, you're my friend, and you know, he's, he's a friend of sinners. He's a friend of those that turn toward him. The Bible says his wrath actually remains on us if we don't turn toward him. Um, why should we plant churches? Because people are blind, because the gate is wide, because many are going in there at. The Bible says, rescue those that are led astray to death. Hold back those that are staggering toward slaughter. If you say, but I didn't know about this, doesn't he that weighs the heart perceive it? We do know people are going to slaughter. We do know people aren't making it. We do know there's a different way to live. Hallelujah, Jesus. So with that thought that we can actually rescue the perishing, we can actually, even though they can't see, they can hear the preaching. And once they hear the preaching... Once they hear somebody speak Jesus to them, they say, well, maybe, maybe I need that. And in their blindness, it says, when you turn to Christ, the veil is taken away. And in their blindness, when they say, maybe I need you, I need you, Jesus, the veil is taken away and they can enter in. They can see now. But they just need to turn to Christ because when they turn to Christ, the veil is taken away. But they can't turn to Christ if somebody doesn't get in the way and speak the word. Got to speak the word. That's that's. The way that the Lord has set it up, that we can actually save people from what we all completely deserve. We deserve not to go to heaven, but he can save us from all of that if we'll get in the way and we'll get in the wide places and we'll plant churches. Hallelujah.
So our, our fellowship worldwide is growing leaps and bounds. In the United States, not so much. But in 2007, we elected, as a fellowship, we all elected. We have a general superintendent over the whole United States. We've got a superintendent over the South Dakota district. And over the whole United States, our, our fellowship elected George, Dr. George Wood. And, and in 2008, he came, when he got elected, he came within his heart. He had a, a passion for something. He had five core values in his heart. And the one central core value was to passionately plant and passionately revitalize churches. George Wood brought that in in about 2008 with his, with his leadership team. And they began to implement that. There was, there was four other core values that all tie into church planting. Let me tell you what they are. Just, it's just good to hear them. It says to passionately preach the gospel, strategically invest. We can't passionately preach the gospel without these churches. To strategically invest in the next generation. Can't do that without a church. Skillfully resource the fellowship. And that is in order to help the churches go forward. And fervently pray. And there's nothing can be built Unless God builds the church, unless God builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. We can build and build and build, but if we, we don't build through his leadership, through prayer, and through the word of God, we cannot plant a church. But he came with this passion, and from 2008 till 2011, 4, 000, over 4,000 churches were planted in the United States out of our fellowship, out of this fellowship right here. 4,000 churches. Now, just do a little math. I just love math. I'm not good at math, but I love the numbers I can understand. I just like the math I can do. But uh, in 10 years, over 4,000 people are churches. In 10 years times 365 days, that's how many days? 3,650 days. 4,000 churches were built or began to be built together as assemblies. 4,000 in 3,650 3, days. That's 1.1 churches per day. That means when you get up this morning and eat breakfast, and then you sleep, and then you get up tomorrow morning and eat breakfast, you can say, another church and one-tenth have been, have been planted. Or you can look at it this way. Every 10 days, you can wake up, and on that day, you can say 11 churches have been planted. Isn't that amazing? Because one person had a fervent desire to plant churches, Dr. George Wood, we began to develop a vision and began to, to be planting churches. That's 20... Believe this or not, we've started in the early 1900s. And believe it or not, that 4,000 churches represents one-fifth of all the churches that we presently have. 20% of all the churches were, were, that are now existing started in these last 11, last 11 years up to 2019. South Dakota, we haven't caught up quite as well yet. In the last five years, four churches have been, four churches have been successfully planted and are going forward. And that's not too bad either. I can always remember we're in 49 and we were going down like 30 or 40 years ago, going downhill. And now we've got these five. I don't even know how many we have total anymore. But I do know that it's going up because George, Dr. George Wood affected South Dakota. He wanted to plant churches. And we're going to talk just a little bit about why and how and, and what planting a church really means. So the staff, which I am one of the people on staff, get together every once in a while, quite a bit actually, especially after COVID. And our passion, along with the United States passion, the headship and the leadership, is to plant a healthy, spirit-empowered church 
in every community, within every community. Can we do that? Can we actually plant one in Zell, South Dakota? There's only 100 and some people there probably. I think there's 113. Frankfurt, do we, do we really need that? I think by the time I get done speaking, it won't be a lot, a lot longer to, to help us see this, but uh, I think it'd be great to have a little church or a big church in any area. And I think we can do it, and I think we need more churches. I think we could use, in this fellowship right here, we could probably use a few more churches in the Huron area. Our leadership has a big heart right now for dismit. So if somebody here wants to rise up and start planting a church for dismit, we will back you. Dismit, we've got, we want, how about Woonsocket? Or For, I always thought Forsberg would be a good place. What about Forsberg, Sanborn Central? If they can build a school there, I think Jesus can build a church. I would think so. Westington Springs, Redfield, Redfield's really cool. Huron, Kimball, I, I think of Gettysburg a lot for some reason. But I love Forsberg, Gettysburg. Let's go get them. Let's go get people for Jesus. Let's go get people where people are. Redfield, South Dakota, you know, I said a little bit ago, four successful churches in five years, but Redfield began a Bible study about a year and a half or so ago, and I'm, I, it's not official yet, but I'm going to go ahead and say there's five successful churches in, in five years, so it's going to be a surprise to the district and all, but, but um, we're getting there. We're going to launch that, that this, this fall, so... Uh, right now we're meeting every Thursday, and the Holy Spirit's been meeting with us, or we really wouldn't want to be there, but wow. We always, my wife and I, we just look at each other afterwards, and we just say, it's really cool watching God, because it's God. It's not Mark and Jenny <laughs> at all. Um, I have a wife. There she is. Can you stand up? Look at this. This is my beautiful wife. You have to stand up. Come on. You've got to get used to this. There she is. Woohoo! <laughs> Amen. We're a, we're a perfect team. Everything, everything we lack, the other one has, I guess, I hope. <laughs> and if not, Jesus overtakes it anyway. <laughs> okay, what's a church look like? I'm going to start racing through this a little bit for the sake of time. But what's a church look like? Hebrews kind of tells you an idea of what the church is like. Ephesians begins to get a little deeper, and then Corinthians tells you exactly the blueprint of a church. So in Hebrews it says, it just, it just, just tells you that we ought to get together and build each other up. And so you kind of get an idea that Christians should get together. All right, and let us consider thoughtfully, consider means to be thoughtful, but this was uh, amplified, that's why it has an extra word in there. And let us consider thoughtfully how we may encourage one another to love and to do good deeds. So let's thoughtfully consider how can we do that. And then he gives us an answer, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. <laughs> so if you want to thoughtfully consider how to help other people, how to encourage each other, and how to strengthen each other, and how to bring a miracle into somebody's life, then uh, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together with other believers. As the manner of some is, but encourage one another, and all the more faithfully encourage one another when you see the day of Christ's return approaching. I don't know, you know, there's so many different things that say that Jesus is coming, and I look at it, and I don't understand end times all that well, but it, I think no matter how simple-minded we are, the Bible says even a child can understand some of this, 
And when you constantly see armies around Israel and even the United States seeming to teeter-totter a little bit on whether or not we should support Israel, when you see everybody coming against the people that Jesus came from, the Jewish people, and you see all the armies surrounding, and then you look in Zechariah, and it talks about Jerusalem being destroyed, but it also talks about the, the, that if you mess with Jerusalem, you're going to do it to your own hurt. It would be like moving a rock that's going to hurt you. And, uh, you know, so Jerusalem and Israel, they're going to probably take some hardships, but it says in the end, God is going to rule over this city, and nobody's going to mess with it. I just think we're close to the end. And I, I say that to say, when you see the day of Christ returning, so we must be able to tell it's coming. When you see it approaching, gather together all the more. Gather together all the more. They did it 2,000 years ago more than we do it today. Okay, so Ephesians 4 talks about now there's gifts that come together. It says this. So Christ gave himself, gave the so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers, in order to equip the people for works of service. And so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach the unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, become mature in attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we grow and become mature, a mature body, remember that word, of him who is the head, that is Christ. So he begins to talk about the body and the church, and we'll see that in a minute too, but it says we need to come, we can't, Without coming together, the apostles and prophets and preachers and teachers and evangelists can't teach us how to do the works of ministry. So we have to come together and all the much more. And as they preach us and teach us and evangelize and, and teach us how to do all those things that they do, then we can be what we're supposed to be out there. And it gets into, like I said, it's going to get a lot deeper in, in uh, Corinthians. It says in verse 16, it says, From him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So it says we're coming together, but it also says every supporting ligament. There's ligaments all over our body. Every joint, every part of us has ligaments. And it says every supporting ligament, the body comes together, and the only way that it can support each other is to come together. You really, if you think that you can be part of God's church out in the boondocks and be and not come to church, not come to a, a gathering, you will be a sick person, a sick, spirit, spiritually sick person. He created it to work only if we get together. We have successes. We have ability to, to minister on our own out there. But if we stay on our own, the Bible is very clear that the body cannot be healthy. It will be sick. And let's see, bring it out even clearer in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 through 14. And I won't turn there, but you can turn there and just study that out sometime. But in the 12th chapter, he says, body, 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 body. 
in the 14th chapter, he says, church, 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 church. And in the 12th chapter and the 14th chapter, he's talking about the exact same subject, but he inserts church in the 14th chapter. And for most all of the 12th chapter, he inserts the word body. The church is the body of Christ. It makes it very clear through some of the scriptures I've already written, read, but also the scriptures that are in the 12th and 14th chapter of Corinthians. The church is the body of Christ. And the body can't exist by itself. If we're going to plant a church, we've got to know what it looks like. If you're going to plant a building, I was brought up on the farm, so if we're going to plant a hog barn, or if we're going to build a hog barn, or if we're going to build a, if we're gonna build a, a big barn, or if we're just going to build a house or a shop, you got to know what kind of concrete, and you got to know what kind of studs, and you got to know what kind of plates, and you got to know where you want to put the windows, and you got to know what kind of work you're going to do on the inside. And you begin to build that, and you begin to put piece together to piece together. And so often we talk about going to church, not one time, not one single time in the Bible does it say anything about a building being a church. And I find myself using the wrong terminology. There's nothing wrong with calling a building a church. But, but if it keeps us from understanding what a real church is, there could be a problem. And so most of us think, and I, I don't even know the depths of it yet, to be honest, but I feel like I'm seeing more and more what the church is to be. Now, the church is, the Bible, this, this is all in Corinthians. The, the eyes can't say to the hand, I don't need you. The, the, the leg can't say to the arm, I don't need you. The ears can't say to the nose, I don't need you. Can you imagine if the eyes said to the hands, I don't need you? And somehow they ended up in the lake. They just fall to the bottom of the lake. Two eyeballs sitting in the bottom of the lake. How would you like to be two eyeballs sitting in the bottom of the lake? You know what's going to come? Some kind of a fish, because I'm sure they like eyeballs. I'm sure they do. If you stay in your home and you have a habit of not coming together with the body of Christ, the fish are going to eat you up. The hand can't say to the eyes, I don't need you. Because the, the hand takes off and it doesn't even know, you know, it can't see where it's going. We'll be, you know, we just got to believe the word. You will be a sick spiritual person if you don't come together as often as possible with other believers. I, I, I showed you that in the Bible. I got, I, we all have the same problem, right? We trust and believe the word of God. And I don't have to feel like going to church. I don't have to feel, see, I said that church word again. I don't have to feel like gathering together with the church, but I need to. I need to for my own health's sake. And the Bible says we come together, why? To build each other up, to strengthen each other, to edify each other, to encourage one another. You can't do that out there. But it's so much, the building, he's Jesus said this. I'm, I'm going to skip over to this. Jesus said this. He looked at Simon Peter and he said, well, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And Peter looked at him and he said, Lord, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus looked at him and he said, you ain't been talking to your neighbors. He said, you got that from my father. 
You haven't been talking to your cousins. You got that from, you haven't been talking to the people you're working with. You got that straight from dad. You got straight from the father. Who do you say that I am? He said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And you know what Jesus said? Jesus looked at him, he goes, right after that, Jesus said, Jesus said, he said, Simon, son of Jonah. Simon means like to hear. And he, and he kind of changed his name there. And he said, Simon, son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Petro, which means a stone. And on this Petra, I will build my church. So he said, stone. He said, stone. What you just said, that's solid. Stone. He looked at him, he said, stone. He called him stone. He said, you're stone, and upon this church, upon, the, upon this granite slab, upon this uh, bedrock is the word, bedrock, upon this bedrock, he said, Petro, upon this Petra, he said, stone upon this bedrock of stone, upon this bedrock, like these mountains, like they made Rushmore out of, these mountains that you see up by Needles Point, these great big mountains that are nothing but solid rock. He said, upon this bedrock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Stone, what you just said, this, what you said is bedrock, bedrock. What you said is bedrock. Upon that confession, upon that bedrock, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. That's shouting stuff. The gates of hell can't prevail. So he says, upon this bedrock, upon this bedrock, I'll build my church. And Paul said this. Look at how this comes together. Paul said this, by the grace of God that he has given me, I laid a foundation, a bedrock, as an expert builder. Someone else is building on it, but each one should be careful how he builds, for no one can lay any other foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Paul said, as an expert builder, I built a foundation. I, I showed you the real Jesus is what he's saying. I showed you the real bedrock. And upon this rock, Jesus said, I'll build. On this bedrock, I'll build my church, gates of hell. So what's this bedrock look like? What's that bedrock look like? Because if we get the bedrock in right, then all we got left is to build upon it right. And if we know how to build upon the bedrock, what's he look like? I say he looks holy. I say he looks joyful. I say he looks authoritative. I say he looks healing. I say he looks uh, like the word of God, like faithful and true. I say he looks like the lion of the tribe of Judah when you need somebody to bust your enemies. I say he looks like the lamb of God when you need forgiveness for your sins. God is good. And if we build the church on the bedrock, the gates of hell can't prevail against it. But if you lay some other foundation, if you lay something out, if you build on it differently, the church won't go anywhere. It says in a little bit of time, 12 apostles turned into a whole bunch of people. 120 people in the upper room turned into thousands in the first day of preaching. 3,000 got saved. A little bit later, a couple thousand more got saved. Because they were building on bedrock. In fact, it was such strong bedrock and when Peter preached, it says that they were cut to the heart. They didn't get saved to save their marriage. They didn't get saved to get a better life. They didn't get saved to get a better job. They got saved, hallelujah, 
They got saved out of hell. They don't have to go to hell. They were cut to the heart. Hallelujah. They didn't get saved to make a better life for themselves. They got saved so they didn't have to go to hell. And then the, such a benefit. At the same time you don't have to go to hell, you get a best friend called Jesus. Hallelujah. Bedrock. A bedrock friend. Closer than a brother. He stands closer than a brother. So, there's so much stuff to say. and um, I have no idea to know if I got 10 minutes or 30. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> um, Okay, thank you. That's perfect. All right. Um, I want to just go through some scriptures quick. And I'm going to try not to preach because I just want you to get this information. I want you to know what a church looks like. What's a church look like? Where, where do you find them? They're not a building, so where do you find them? Let me read just a few verses. Philemon 1, 1 and 2. It says, Paul, I, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, to and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker, and to the church that meets in your house. Oh, you can find them in a house. It says to the church that meets in their house. So you can find a church in somebody's house. And then in Colossians 4.15, it says, give, me, give my greetings to the brothers of Laodicea, to Nympha, and to the church that meets in her house. So you can, meet, you can find a church meeting in a house again. Um, Romans 16 and, and also 1 Corinthians 16, greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Jesus Christ. Greet also the church that meets in their house. Wow, three churches meeting in three houses. Um, day after day, from the house to house, they never stopped teaching and preaching that Jesus is the Messiah, Acts 5.42. Another, they're meeting in several houses now, as well as publicly, or how does it say it? From house to house. No, actually, just from house to house. And the next verse says, you, you know that I, verse, chapter 20, verse 20, you know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but I have taught you publicly and from house to house. So we'll see in some of this that they preached not only in the houses, not only in the temples or in the public areas, but they also a lot of the time preached in homes. Hallelujah. And what, why a home? Why would a home be a good place to have a church? Paul Youngie Cho, I'm going by memory from maybe 10 or so years ago, but he's a great preacher from South Korea. He was trying to start a church, and he got really, really, really sick. And so he, somehow they ended up just having different meetings here and there in other homes. And when that happened, it exploded. The churches just started to grow like crazy. It wasn't built on a man. It was built on Jesus. The prayer life of Paul, one of his greatest thoughts, I think, was Paul Youngie Cho would say, pray and obey. A lot of us like to pray. None of us like to ever obey. It's not like obey and pray. We just pray and that's it. But pray and obey. If we hear something in the spirit, he would say pray and then obey. And for whatever reason, when he was sick, his church exploded because it wasn't built on him. It was built on a very solid rock. What does a church look like? We know where it meets. A lot of times it meets in homes. 
And, and I, I think of Redfield. I know of different Bible studies that have happened in Redfield. My parents were part of a Bible study that they started up. And uh, coming from maybe like a Methodist, a Wesleyan, a Catholic, different churches. And it didn't matter. But what happened is people got strong in the Lord. They prayed for each other. They need, if they needed healing, if they, their sons or daughters were going through something, if they needed their children saved, they were praying. They encouraged each other. Without a mothering church even helping them, they were out there saying, hey, I need, I need prayer and Bible study. So groups will get together and do that. And you'll find out that those are the strongest people in your town. They're the ones that go to regular Bible study, love God, and are trying to, ch to have his character. Um, what's a church look like? I just want to kind of end with this. I'm pretty sure I'm pretty well done. Um, what's a church look like? A church, when I talked about you build things a certain way. The church comes together. The church does not come together to do what we're doing here, not in and of itself. A church comes together, the Bible says, to be fitly framed together. Living stones, ligament to knee and knee to, to, to ligament and, and ankle to, to the leg bone and the neck bone to the back bone and elbow bone to the, to what, the arm bone. Uh, the problem is we come together like this and we call it church. But he brings us together, and if we have any slight against anybody... We come together to get that taken care of so that the mortar will hold. So I'm, i got two different visions in my head right now. One is Peter, the Apostle Peter, he says, we're all like living stones fitly framed together with the great uh, cornerstone, Jesus Christ. Because that cornerstone has to be just right, just like that granite stone had to be just right. Just different terminology to help us see the picture. And then we're talking about Paul, and he's talking about the elbows and the knees and the eyes and all that. And if you leave an eyeball in the house over there, the eyeballs are going to dry up and go away. If you, if you think you can be a leg and you, you got the gifting of being a leg, or if you think you've got the gift of being a knee or if you've got the, the really agile feet, to, if you stay in your home, you'll just be a sicko. You will not be spiritually strong. You have got to come together. Scary thing about coming together, when you get mad at the pastor, you got to go see him and talk to him and see if you can get fitly framed together. I guarantee you, you can because the Bible says you can be like the granite. You can be like the bedrock. You can be like Jesus, and he will see to it as long as there are two people willing to work things out. And that's the real church is two people willing to work things out, a family willing to work things out, two staff members trying to work, be willing to work things out, two families working things out, pretty soon a whole community working things out. We get together as the body in order to be fit together. You didn't come here to get built up. You came here to get built together. Ugh. We keep going to church to get built up, and we leave off, well, you haven't been sanded there yet. Why don't you come to church to get sanded? You've got to come to church. It's for your kids. It's for you. It's for your wife. If you let the operation take place, we come into church to build a church. He has one dream, people. He prayed it right before he went to the cross. Father, that they would be one. Like you and I are one. Have you been sanded enough yet? No, you're not one with me like him and I'm not one with my wife. Boy, we like each other a lot, don't we? <laughs> and uh, that hasn't always been. It's been like this. But we're getting it down. We're getting it down really good because we're letting God sand. We're letting God cut some things off that don't need to be there. We come together to do the operations. And sometimes the painkiller, you go to the dentist, right? 
Sometimes the painkiller that they put in there hurts so that you don't feel the bad pain. <laughs> you know, so there's pain either way. But I'm saying sometimes it's painful. It can't be helped, especially when we've got arrogance in our life. Ah, ain't so bad. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. Can we make it a goal to come together and be one? That's his dream. Do you want to be his dream? His dream is that we'll be one, one with each other, humble, honoring each other, listening to each other, even if you already think you know what they're going to say. <laughs> you know that one thing? That's one thing that really helped our marriage. I, 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 I got tired of listening to my wife, and I'm working. And, part, and it's not because I'm tired of listening to her, because when I was, woo, you know, when I forgot, before I got married, woo, all I could do is listen to her. Like, that's cool. And I got to thinking, after we had enough struggles in our marriage, I thought, you know what? I always used to just love listening to her. Now this work is always calling me, and that's the only reason I don't love listening to her. So now I'm thinking about, you know, I got the neatest woman in the whole world. She loves me, and I get to listen to her. So if I get poor, I get poor. But the work's going to have to wait. So the more I listen, the more we get along. <laughs> it's all my fault. So no, I don't know if it's all my fault. But she's willing. She's changing. I'm changing. It's all our faults. And uh, we love each other, and we don't condemn each other. And... Uh, there's a lot more scripture, but we're out of time, I believe. But P Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, which is what we're celebrating today. And the churches were beginning to get planted. At the very first meeting they had was a big, large group. But it said, and they, and they also met in their homes because whatever reason. But they started meeting in the homes all the time. We got to get together where we can't hide. We've got to be together where we can't take it wrong. It's like, did you say that? Did you mean that? No, I didn't mean that. Yes, I did mean that. Well, I got hurt when you meant that. Well, let's work through it. Okay, let's come together to work through it. Let's be one. Can you imagine the miracles that are coming? Because when we're one with him, did you see the miracles that he did with his father? Did you see the healings he did with his father? You see all that stuff happen? It was because he was one. If we're one with each other, and one with Jesus, one with the Father. We're going to have a church. I've been sensing it. The other day, we had a prayer meeting. Sunday nights, we have prayer meetings. And I think it was the last one we had. There was just a sense of authority. Pastor was reading Psalm 93, 91, I think. And, and I was about, I was like, there was just like, I believe in miracles. It was just there. Well, then we went to have Thursday night. And it's the same thing. It was just this authority in this, this uh, we just know it's ours, it belongs to us. I can't put that in your heart, but it's, it's, it's coming here because people here are working to be one. People here are letting go of their most precious selves. Their most, I mean, we got precious stuff, and we don't think anybody should be allowed to sand that off. Guess what? It can go. I like what's coming. Amen. So God bless you all. I'm going to turn it over to Pastor, I think. Am I not? Let me pray first. <laughs> Hallelujah. 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 You're the most awesome God in the whole world. <laughs> You're the only God, really. Hallelujah. Father, we make such small gods our God, but Lord God, we look to you today. We look to the bedrock. We look to the foundation. We want to fit on that thing perfect. We want to fit on that foundation. We want to fit into Jesus. We want to know you and the power of your resurrection, the fellowship of your suffering even. 
being made conformable to your death even. We want to know the power of your resurrection, Father God. But help us, Lord God, to go through the circumstances that bring us to oneness with you and with each other. Help us not decide what oneness should look like or what we need to take apart. But Lord God, help us to let things go in our life as you show us. Help us not to look to the left or the right, the spouse or the staff member, but help us to look to you to say, how can I fit better, Lord? How can I fit better? I want you to be able to build your church, Father, and I want to be part of that church. We come together, Lord God, in this building today. We come together in homes. And Father, we come together more and more often in the name of Jesus. When we feel like, nah, it's not that important, help us, Father, to remember we're valuable. We're valuable. Somebody needs me, me as a foot. Somebody needs me as an eyeball. Somebody needs me just to be a seat warmer. If that's all I think of myself, I need to be there just to be an encouragement, one more person there. Father God, I thank you that these people were so valuable. I am so valuable to you that you pursued me so hard that it destroyed your life so that you could rise from the dead and give me life. Thank you that we're valuable. Help us to get to gatherings more and more and more often so we can let you build your church. Because unless you build it, we're just a bunch of people close to each other. We love you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, Pastor Mark. I love hearing our core values from the lips of our leaders. So I've loved having other leaders sharing these core values with us. We plant churches. Uh, this is one of the things I wrote down. We plant churches because many are blind and the road to destruction is wide. And we want to plant churches on that path to put something in their way. And interestingly, when Jesus said that those lines, uh, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He had taken his disciples to the most demonic, deviling worship place on the planet at the time known as Caesarea Philippi. It was literally nicknamed the gates of hell. And so as soon as he was talking about planting a church right on the gates of hell, right on that path, I thought, you know, Jesus said that too. Because his disciples thought, oh, build a church in the nice side of town. He's like, no, right here on the path to destruction, put stuff in their way. And so what a great word, so much to chew on. Parents, your kids are on their way in, and so if you want to maybe stand and wave at them, make sure they know where you are so that they can find you, and we'll make sure they get to the right place. All right. They've been having a good time. I hear maybe a visit to the park and a popsicle. Makes you want to go to Kidman next week or make sure we hand out popsicles in here. We allowed to do that? All right. As they're making their way to you, Pastor John and Heather and your family, if you want to go ahead and join us up here, you know, none of us like change. Well, maybe you're one of those weird people that like change, but the Bible says seasons come and seasons go. Seasons change. They change physically and they change spiritually. And uh, Pastor John and Heather have been with us for just about eight years now, and we have loved every minute of it. Um, you know, we had to we had to sand each other, and uh, 
we had to fit together, and we've done it so well that the Lord's like, okay, now I'm going to move you on and get you somewhere else. And so we're excited to see what's in store for your future. Um, and we know, you know, you're only an hour and a half away. And plus, we live in this digital age where, you know, this is not a goodbye. This is a we're we're with you in the next season. And so we want to pray for them. So I'm going to invite you to stand if you just want to reach out your hand as we pray a blessing over them, over their future. And uh, we're going to pray for us, too. We're going to believe that God knows what he's doing, even when we're like, God, do you really know what you're doing here? Uh, we trust him and we know that uh, the future is still bright in front of us. And so let's pray together. Father, I thank you for Pastor John. I thank you for Heather. God, I thank you for this family. I thank you for just their their humble hearts. God, their teachable hearts, the humility that you have put into their lives. God, I thank you for the giftings that you have used to build this church. God, to help us to become more established, more firm in what your plans are for us here in Huron. And God, I thank you for the giftings that have yet to be released. God, I know that there are things in their lives that you are going to pull out, you're going to draw out in this next season. And God, we're excited for what you have in store for them. I pray grace over these next few days as there are so many things to be done. God, there are boxes to be filled. There are things to be packed away. I pray for grace upon the sale of this house. God, that it would move quickly, even through the open house that's happening today. God, I just pray for a new house to be able to be found quickly. God, for the right doors to be open. And I just pray for a smooth transition as they, uh, God, plant themselves in this new body and this new season. And we just thank you for the ways that you have used them to mold and to shape our lives. And God, I know that even in the future, even though they don't live in here on South Dakota, you're going to continue to use them to mold and to shape our church. And so thank you for the opportunity to build your kingdom together here on this earth. God, we pray your blessing over their future today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you guys for being with us today. Our hosts are going to dismiss you. And uh, take time to greet the Mullins before you leave today. God bless you as you go.